Hello everyone, my name is Andy Summers and welcome to episode 6 of Reviving the Soul. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land, and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put man whom he had formed. And out of the ground of the Lord God made it spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight, and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Bedellium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Genesis 2, 4-17 This portion of Genesis 2 is rich with descriptive language that stimulates all five senses. The imagination soars with stunning visions of a lush green garden that is peaceful and a joy to care for. The skin tingles as though one can feel the cool, life-bringing waters that come from the river that flows through Eden. The smell of the newly cultivated soil and the clean air of a newly created atmosphere is intoxicating to think of, as well as enjoying the fresh fruits and vegetables that satisfy the deepest of hungers full of color and flavor. By starting with, and these are the generations, Moses draws us into the narrative by signaling to the reader that we are beginning a new section of his work. This method of writing is called a toledoth, and it will capture the reader's attention nine more times within the writings of Genesis. By this method, we are told that this is to be read not as another creation narrative, but rather as a different perspective on the same creation narrative that we just looked at in Genesis 1. Moses leaves behind the cosmic view of creation and zooms in on the local creation of Eden and of Adam and Eve. Moses goes into detail describing the rivers flowing through and out of Eden, as well as the gold, bedellium, and the onyx stone of the land. And as we have seen before, Genesis again points to the future. In Revelation 21 and 22, the new Jerusalem is described as having a river of life flowing from the throne of God. The city itself is made of pure gold and its foundations are made from onyx stone. Eden is the paradise that God intended for his creation to dwell in, enjoying his own presence. And the remainder of the biblical narrative is focused on getting mankind back to the garden. We also see that Adam was created for the purpose of working and keeping the garden. This was Adam's job. Now make no mistake, work was never a product of the fall, merely its difficulty. But there is yet another very significant responsibility that God gave to Adam. God commanded Adam to enjoy every plant in the garden for food except for one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day that he were to eat of it, he would surely die. 
Now, God makes a promise to Adam that if he disobeys, he will suffer death. But if he does obey, he will enjoy lasting peace. Now, many theologians would call the nature of this conditional agreement the covenant of works. And according to the book of Romans, Adam acts as our federal head. In other words, whatever he did will affect his descendant. He is our representative to God. So as we know, Adam was unable to keep up his end of the covenant, and therefore, neither can we. However, as we will see in a few weeks, in response to Adam's failure, God promises a new Adam, a new federal head that will keep the covenant of works perfectly, and he will represent us before God as our mediator, Jesus Christ. Unlike Adam, Jesus listens to and follows the word of God. What we do with the word of God is everything. Will we believe it? trust in it, follow it, or will we adhere to our own wisdom and fall into temptation? And so, we still stand between the two trees, the tree of life on one hand and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil on the other. We know how Adam's story ends, but the great question is, how will our story end? Remember what Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on the very word of God. Now, I'm recording this episode in Wichita, Kansas, where my good friend Brian Miller is recovering from a horrific farming accident that took place almost three weeks ago. He has come away with 11 broken ribs, a lacerated knee, and a hole in his bowels, with many other complications as well. He is still suffering from great pain, but is trusting in the goodness of his Creator. He and his wife Amanda are truly putting what Jesus said to practice. They are trusting in the Word of God for healing and for peace. Now, to close this episode, I would like to read something from one of Amanda's recent posts that I found to be powerful in the midst of their situation. She writes, Maybe we're in that chilly dusk before dawn when the light breaks through in the stark rays of hope, but the pain and fear are cold and threatening yet. In a way, this is where we are all at, where we see God's kingdom, yet we crave more, where we experience redemption, yet we need more. Fortunately, God is not limited by our cycles of time or our shallow perspectives, so we still claim joy in the morning, just as we allow for grief in the night, simultaneously. It's not an and or or kind of deal, it's the strange beauty of both, and I think this is where life happens. Reviving the Soul is available on all listening platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, and many others. If you like what you heard, please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. If you have any questions, please direct them to my Facebook page at Psalm 19 Revive. And until next time, apply all of Scripture to all of life.